talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello. And welcome back to more like the worst wing. I know it's been a while, but we're here once again to take a close look at Aaron Sorkin's seminal television classic, The West Wing, from a little bit of a more modern socialist leftist perspective. I'm Stu. And I am Dave. And this week's episode is episode nine of season three, entitled Bartlett for America, which seems strange because I swear to God there was another episode called Bartlett for America already. No, you're th- I think you're thinking of Let Bartlett Be Bartlett. <laughs> okay, that would make sense, and that but, was uh, an episode. But this is this is the one with the iconic napkin, um, which West Wing fans will know, uh, and has been paid homage to slash parodied numerous times in other pieces of media, such as Parks and Rec, uh, where uh, Bradley Whitford's character in that had the napkin on his uh, desk. <laughs> it just seems... I don't know, man. The, the phrase iconic napkin just seems very, very, <laughs> very nerdy. Way. It's like, yeah. it's just like, nope, this is the best we can do. It's yeah. an iconic napkin. <laughs> yeah. Bar, bar napkin. Um, yeah. So this episode is all about Leo for the most part with a small subplot thrown in for our non Leo means to have, but this is mainly a Leo focused episode with a bit of flashback tossed in to the initial Bartlett campaign time. Yeah, and so the the context is such that Leo's being called to testify in the congressional committee that is investigating the Bartlett MS scandal. And we get some cute back and forthage out the gate with him and his lawyer um, talking through, not even like preparation, just her being like, hey, Leo, how you like you ready everything gonna be okay and so they they josh around each other for a little while and then they walk into like the hearing room mm-hmm. um there is a gimmick that i actually really enjoy where the president calls him on his cell phone mm-hmm. as they like stroll into the committee hearing room and you can see leo take the call on the television in the oval office on, on the C-SPAN, c-span feed yeah, <laughs> yeah. which i think is I don't know, call me a sucker, but, like, that's some fun cinematography to play Sure, with. you know, the TV within a TV kind of, yep. you know, yep. and, and him playing, yeah, and presidents joshing around with him and stuff, but, um, you know, they both understand that this has the potential to get serious, and as the episode goes on, it, it does get fairly serious for Leo as they start to dig into uh, more and more, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, the other subplot has to do with the threat of church burnings in Tennessee, uh, black churches more specifically. Yeah. So, um, agent Casper is yes. back again. Pre Marvel agent Colson. Yes. yes Pre Marvel agent Colson is back again, playing the CI or the, the FBI suit type, which he is mm-hmm. foreverly typecast as now. Right. Um, and he would be out in the field, but apparently is assigned to desk work for health reasons which uh, Josh mocks him by calling him a woman, uh, just for the record. Yes, and so, okay, so actually, before we even do this, we we can dispense with the entire Tennessee side plot here in a a fashion such that it's it's basically, but it's also basically like, the point of the Tennessee side plot is, A, to involve the non-Leo characters, but also to remind everybody, after last episode, where we got a very, you know, a hazy glimpse of 
women in power in this show to just fucking stomp all over him again and bring the Sorkin sexism back full force in almost every aspect of this fucking plot line. We, we get a good dose of Sorkin sexism in this one because <laughs> like, later Agent, on there's a moment, uh, or no, with Ma- Agent Casper where he says yeah. to Donna, uh, I'd be, you know, there, there's a crisis going on or else I'd be hitting on you. Which is, just, just like, I love that Sorkin's <laughs> idea of the best thing that can happen to a pretty lady is a nice man <laughs> hits on them. Like, that's like, it's so, it's so projecting it's, where he's like, ah, like, this must be what women enjoy, getting hit on at work. Is it, a, I think it's a line in The Simpsons where they're like, they're doing The Bachelor and he's like, and ladies, he's employed. It's like, Jesus Christ. So... Cas- Agent Casper comes in, like, liaises with Josh a little bit. We right. get a brief moment where um, he walks into the into the hallway that leads to the Oval Office, and he points at the wall and goes, wait a second, those walls are curved. And he starts, like, schwitzing right, a little bit. Right, because he's like, nervous. Jesus Christ, Aaron. <laughs> Uh, like a career FBI it's agent who deals with hate crimes is going to be intimidated by the fucking, like, the White House. Oh, no. Yeah, like, uh, it's such the, you know, this this show is more of a love letter to the actual physical West Wing and the actual office. Like, he holds such high regard for the for the actual place. Yeah. It's, uh, it's well, almost, it's like a t- hallowed ground. As so opposed to, to just being where our leadership meets and it's an arbitrary place. Well, yeah. And so, like, they also, the, the actually, kind of to your point, the rest of this plot line is, is tidied up neatly by set pieces in various places in the, o, not in the, we get the mural the room. House. We get the mural room. Like, we get them walking through the, like, the executive offices on some walk and talks and stuff. And so I actually think that's a, that's a, very good observation to be like, well, we got to shove some White House love in here because the rest of this is off campus, like right. at the just, at the it's either in, in flashback Tennessee form or 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 in the congressional hearing room, right? Right. right. So, the rest of the episode, yeah. So the the kind of the wrap up to this thing is they find some guy who gets busted for, and I am I swear to God, this is two thousand two when this is being written and filmed, a faulty brake light yeah and like they joke about the guy who's been doing the the perpetrator of these these bombings like yes he's a shitty person but he's pulled over for a busted brake light or like a dim headlight or something and they call it stupid (laughs) and like this has been a big tenet of like dsa outreach has been like nobody these minor things are weaponized against poor people right to, but but this like, is the to, excuse is that oh but occasionally we catch like a real big criminal you know exactly. and that's what makes it okay and it, it's it's very it's baldly transparent that it mm-hmm. is a it is a it is used to convert someone into the jaws of the justice system and mm-hmm. from which from which let's be honest like nobody ever escapes once mm-hmm. you once you enter you never get out now okay fine this guy hate crimes whatever great that he got found but the context in which he was found out right. is shitty and and reactionary right and they just kind of smug it up about ah dumb criminals mm-hmm. They're so dumb yeah. that they commit <laughs> crime. <laughs> the, the, those dummies, like, we got them. And then it also wraps up with fucking President Bartlett talking to the governor of Tennessee. Oh, my God. First off, this governor. So, first <laughs> off, when they're meeting in the white in the uh, Oval about the thing, and they're having a debate about should the president send in the National Guard or not, 
and uh, and he goes, hey, you know, uh, my, you know, that's a violation of states' rights, and you would have said the same thing when you were governor of New Hampshire. And my response on the notes was just the Lincoln photo of the double bird saying, "States have the right to suck, to it. suck it." Yeah, and I, I turned to my wife while we were watching this and said the exact same thing. <laughs> just, Fuck so. you! I'm sending in the National Guard. Suck yeah. it. And then the next interaction you have with them is the fucking, I, I just don't get oh it. Like, God. all of a yeah. sudden, Bartlett says, hey, um, so they're, hey, they're, hey, they're debating. Well, they're yeah, debating the, the, you know, should we send in the guard or not question still. And then Casper and Josh walk in with the news that they caught the kid for the busted taillight who was planning to burn down the church or whatever. And then, uh, like, okay, we, we have proof. There's a conspiracy. He ratted out, you know, there's fellow people involved. This is a real credible threat. You now have enough go ahead to send in the National Guard. And and now, and so go ahead. Well, and so there are two phrases that President Bartlett, Mr. Liberal Lion here, gets away with. Mm-hmm. And he says, he literally says when he hears the news, he says, Ed, you get to be a hero to the blacks in your state. <laughs> what the fuck? A, how about you be a hero to just the people of your state because the people are the ones that are struggling with this. I think everyone could appreciate a uh, church burner getting caught, not just black people, you know, but that's just me. And then, you know, capital T, capital B, the blacks. The, the, you know, great, great phrasing. Jesus. And then he, like, follows it up with... Then he turns have, to the... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Who's the, who is the uh, the other guy the, who's not the governor? To, I think he's the head of the church association or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Sure. So he turns to this guy, and he's like, better tell the women to start uh, cooking up for the men, because they're going to be somewhere they don't want to be tonight. <laughs> Like have what have your fuck? ladies whip up dinner because <laughs> the, the men got work to do. Or it's like what what, what the, the fuck? And why? I don't even. There's there's literally no point. It's just it's just like and Sorkin that's how we brain. dismiss the plot. And, that, <laughs> and then it's over and everything's fine yep. now. Yeah, and now we're good. Like he solved the problem. And, and now Tennessee's great. Like Leo jokes with him about it, where he's like, "Oh, the the country didn't burn down while I was testifying, right?" Which is fine. Okay, great, whatever. That that's funny, um, mm-hmm. but. That's the the Tennessee plot line, and so we'll take Wrapped a up in brief. A yep. <laughs> yeah, we'll take a brief break here, and then we can get back to the Leo side of the story, yes. which is way more interesting and frankly better done. Yes, it's just we had to get that out the gate. <laughs> yep, and now it's done. <laughs> And so, to get back to the Leo storyline, so we take this takes place mostly in the uh, House committee chamber, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's it's just Leo being called. Um, his lawyer is Jordan. I don't know her last name, but they kind of have a flirty thing going on uh, with Leo and Jordan that you know is fine for what it is. I have no complaints. 
Um, they have a fun little dynamic. And so the episode is, you know, the Republicans are trying to grill him on anything related to Bartlett that they can find that's going to make Bartlett look bad. You know, that he lied about it, that he covered up the MS thing, you know, all these sorts of things. So they're kind of grilling Leo about that. And we keep getting suspicious cuts to this one Republican committee member who like clearly must know something or have some sort of question lined up. And then we find out that this guy knows about the most recent time that, or a time, I guess that Leo fell off the wagon in a major way. Yeah. And that this is, uh, so this kind of questioning can let them get like Leo's alcoholism on the record and interrogate him about that, which would look very, very bad, which I, I guess is the main threat of the episode. Yeah, so the the mechanics are such that they are trying to figure out a way to get Leo to implicate the president in a conspiracy. And, like, A, he's way too fucking smart to, to do that. And so he spends a lot of the time in his testimony, the, the scenes that we see him, like, communicating with the congressmen who are interrogating him he's fucking mm-hmm. with them the whole time yeah it's it's very <laughs> yeah, good it, it's pretty good like he he takes a break and like does the very um the very procedural law drama thing of covering the microphone and then mm-hmm. asks his lawyer i'm literally doing it, it. confers with, with the attorney <laughs> yeah, he asks yeah. his lawyer if she wants to go to dinner with him <laughs> it's like cool all right and then he he like continues to just sort of obstruct and delay this shit because <clears throat> we find out they're like there's the Josh's and the Sam's of the world are trying to figure out a way to get this one guy, this one Republican guy who we keep getting the shot of to like have to leave the chamber. Right. Out of the room to before he has to gets to ask his questions yeah, and they fail at that. Right. Um, and so we get we get the line of questioning, which is related uh, directly to, to Leo's alcoholism and the president's health. Uh, in kind of a twofer uh, whammy that the uh, that the Republicans are playing on hammering this wedge on, um, or sorry, we okay, we don't actually get the question. Where we get the start of the question, we get uh, like asking about the night in question uh, and the president's collapse. So this is when we the flashbacks enter yeah. the picture, and um, there it's a much better structural choice for this type of episode where we're dealing with testimony and a specific event. And they're not meant to be like this weird sort of moral, moral morality play tale for the present day. Yeah. Or or the the other various sloppy ways we've discussed them being used in previous episodes that have flashbacks. This is a lot more cleaner and neat and to the point where he's you know he's talking to either his lawyer or to the committee about an event in question, and then we flash right to that event. Um, you know, very standard, you know, I'm not praising it really. I'm just more using it as a way to call out the other episodes yeah. for their yeah. inartful use of flashback. Yeah. The mechanic is much more appropriate in, in this particular setting, because instead of listening to Leo talking to a mic and watching him mm-hmm. do it for 35 mm-hmm. minutes of this episode, we right. actually, as they say, show don't show don't tell precisely. And so we get some, some time back in when, Basically, like Leo. Back before everyone wore a suit every day. <laughs> so we get. It's fun to see them hanging out. Well, and the, and the day-to-day work of that that's it's played up as highly provincial. The work that um, the president now is doing as the governor of New Hampshire, where we get this presentation right. oh, of yeah. these dudes who are like 
trying to spiff up New Hampshire with a slogan. <laughs> like, it's what's new. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and it's 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 meant to illustrate, obviously. It, it's emphasized because it's supposed to be like a progression. It's like first we were, you know, started from the bottom, now we're here. Right. Um, you, you were doing nothing nothing in some New Hampshire state house other than debating some stupid slogans, and now look where we are. Yeah, well, and that's what... It's sort of the parallel that's an interesting construction because it's the parallel that the congressman in the in the hearing are also trying to draw of being like mm-hmm. this was this was clearly a plan that was con- right. like concocted and you know dreamed up that we have to develop you into the president of the United States was your right. you know health thing ever a part of that sort of it's not conspiracy it's just like it had to have been a part of the conversation right it's not conspiracy but we do see the beginnings of it start where uh they they talk about wanting to do a physical for bartlett the campaign does and then bartlett hears about it and he goes to abby he's like hey they want me to do a physical is it gonna show anything and abby says no right now your ms is in remission it will just show you're a normal healthy human without ms uh, and he's like, see, I'm not lying to anyone. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, the justification started that quickly. Huh? Yeah, just really backtracking on that integrity, you know, early on. Um, and so, you know, you get, I think, <laughs> there, there's a couple like comedic beats or whatever from the early campaign. Yeah. Again, being trying to gin up this sympathy for it's like, oh, it's just a bunch of scrappy campaigners at this point. They're right, not, they're underdogs. They're not doing anything you know? wrong. And so it progresses rather rapidly to the evening of him winning the primary series or like getting through Super Tuesday and mm-hmm. it, it becoming clear that he'll be the nominee. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. he calls... And he meets with Hoynes. Yeah, he calls yep. uh, John Hoynes, who was his primary opponent, into... The room, like after, you know, some serious deliberation with the staff or whatever that he doesn't tell them, gets her to everybody, keeps Abby in the room, brings Hoynes in and just fucking tells him that he has MS. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> tells him. There's a, I God, I'm trying to think of the reference. And this is before he's picked him as VP or anything, right? This yeah. This is just because they're considering him for VP. There's, and I, I, I can't, I'm literally as we are live discussing this, I'm thinking of a reference to another piece of pop culture where there's something that happens this way where a character says like, please stop talking. Please don't tell me. Oh my God, you just fucking said that to me. Now we are in big trouble. And it may have been an episode of the West Wing, but this is sort of that type of moment where it's like, yeah. no, no, please don't. I don't want to know. You can't, you can't just tell me yeah. this sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And so... To, this gives me a lot more sympathy for Hoynes overall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, it he's really been fucked with by Bartlett since, like, before day one. And this is why sort of the meta read on this interaction is, re- is again, it, it speaks to Hoynes as a, as a sympathetic character because it's like, God, you just handed him the keys to physically destroying you and you're putting a lot of stock in his integrity, which is like, okay... Great, but you're also being like, dude, I'm I'm gonna call you into this room, and in like eight words, I'm going to have you make the most difficult decision of your fucking career. Just, just drop like a verbal nuclear yeah. bomb on you, <laughs> <laughs> and while you weren't expecting it, yeah, it's fucked up, you know. Yeah, 
So, and, and to his credit, like, obviously it ends up working out. So we get to the... Yeah, he handles it fine. We get to the meat of it is such that when they are preparing for this, it's the speech to accept the nomination? No, uh, this is, they're preparing for the third debate. Oh, okay, okay. Is when the collapse happens. Okay. If that's what Yeah, so we, we fast forward a little bit. Yeah, so he is now the nominee. This is the third actual presidential debate that they're preparing for. Yeah. And um, as they're touring the room a couple hours beforehand to inspect it and, you know, check a look at the lighting, temperature, all that kind of stuff, uh, he has a slight attack uh, and and collapses somewhat. Not, like, hits the ground, because thankfully people catch him, but, like, you know, it's clear he's, like, unwell and fainted. Um, none of the staff find out the, the true reason why, uh, and then... This is this is what involves Leo because when this happens, they try to call Leo, and Leo is indispensed because of uh, activities we will delve into. Yeah. So, obviously, as like the, the the chief of staff and like campaign main campaign surrogate, Leo does a lot of glad glad handing, and so I think Leo is officially like campaign manager. I think like is he's running the campaign. Yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah, he's actual head of it. Yeah. And so um, he's, you know, responsible for all the day to day, you know, quotidian bullshit that you have to put up with on a political campaign. And so we get a scene such as and where he is um, he is courting some financial contributions from a pair of CEOs in what is filmed and written as a literal smoke-filled room. I love it. And <laughs> you love to see it. <laughs> like, and this is the story that they end up getting into in when Leo tells his lawyer what is happening, mm-hmm. or like what the risk that they are trying to get into uh, in the. By the way, the entire time the lawyer is just like, "This is all irrelevant, Leo. Get to the yeah. point." <laughs> and he's just like, "Come on, he's harping on about like you know the the feel of a glass and the clink of an ice cube." <laughs> yeah, well, and and. So this doesn't actually come out in his testimony, but he's explaining mm-hmm. it to Jordan to be like, here's the circumstance that I'm about to embark on. Because the question on. is about to happen. Yeah. And then they uh, she manages to, to snag a, a break. And what's a cute little running gag, uh, every time they talk about their breaks, the, the head of the committee is like, can we try to keep the 15-minute breaks down to at least 30 minutes yeah. and not 45? <laughs> And then he's like, all right, let's take a five minute break. Let's try to keep it to no yeah. less than 10 minutes. <laughs> well, and so they, then they get through this thing and basically like through a lot of talking and, and discussion of this shit, Leo is tempted in the room by these CEOs to have a drink and he does. And then he goes back to his hotel room because as he says, I'm an alcoholic. I don't get drunk like in, with, with people. people. I get drunk right. alone. Um, Which, you know, to be fair, there's multiple types. There are alcoholics <laughs> that love to get drunk with people. Well, and so, you know, this is, we, we've known say, about. I'm the one type of alcoholic. Yes, we've known about the alcoholism for a long time now. Uh, but this is the first time we actually kind of see it in action. Uh, and to be fair, it's not like we see him, like, trash the room or anything. He just gets drunk. Well, like, yeah. it's a very, you know, it's not, like, overly dramatized or anything. Although his dis- his description of it to, to Jordan is a, is a good sort of description of what addiction feels like, I guess. Yeah, and so actually... Um to to wrap up like the, the this this is something I do trust Sorkin to yes. write well. What addiction feels like? <laughs> that, that's, that's that that's funny, and I feel bad for laughing. But uh, <laughs> so, but to to wrap up the plot bit of this, 
the Republican congressman that's on the committee that Josh and Sam have been trying to get out of the room was also mm-hmm. in the room when Leo right. got like when Leo had, had the sip scotch the and then came yeah. to pick up his briefcase and found right. Leo like just hammered. Hammered. <clears throat> yeah. And so he yeah. has that bit of incriminating like I guess anecdote. And not and not only that, but Leo also tells him that the governor collapsed. Yes. So like he gets you know he can he can it's, valid- it's the earliest proof yes. possible of like that they were covering up a health conspiracy. Yes, and so that he can validate that it's like there there's I have a I have a I have firsthand witness to him having right. health problems. So right the and it looks embarrassing for Leo. And so basically, um, I don't know how I want to structure this. Let's actually let's take a brief break now yes. because I want to talk more about the meta of the alcoholism I and wanna- the moral Republican. <laughs> Thing. And I want to talk about how this is a great commercial for Johnny Walker. <laughs> <Blue>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, this episode, like, let's get it on the record. I don't like scotch. I've tried it a couple few times. It's not for me. Uh, this episode, the way he describes Johnny, the way various characters, but I guess the 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 CEO is the one who's mainly doing the describing mm-hmm. of it. But anyway, the way he pitches this this and the way the episode films the pouring of the of the booze <laughs> and the glasses and everything and and them drinking it and react this is the most effective ad for alcohol i've ever seen i want this stuff and i know i hate it like that's how effective it is like i'm just like oh my god it looks incredible it, it makes you think like it's gonna it's gonna taste like just this marvel and Nectar for some of people the gods. and for some like, people yeah. i'm sure it does but like. sure if you like scotch i'm sure it's a very good scotch or whatever they also over exaggerate its price they cl- they claim it's 300 dollars a bottle <laughs> yeah. which even back in uh 20 of one two thousand one dollars would be a way over uh, estimation of what Johnny Walker Blue costs. Yeah, it's good scotch. It's not fantastic scotch. Sure, uh, I wouldn't know. But anyway, I I really just kind of like enjoy that in this, like, the way in this you know alcoholics relapse. We we focus on how, he's using the best booze to do it though. Yeah, well, and it's something. I mean. As a, as a, it almost makes me want to be like, maybe Leo should just be drunk again. (laughs) Like, (laughs) clearly he enjoys it. (laughs) Well, and as, as something of that, that serves as like, you know, your, your (laughs) stereotypical trigger or whatever is, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, like, you know, having them parade it and basically like force it, you know, you know how people are when they're like, come on, have a drink, have a drink. It's like, and Jordan cutely is like, why didn't you just tell them you were an alcoholic? And he's like, I'm trying to get them to sign over $500,000 checks. Thank you. I kind of have to play the game lady. Like, yeah. So you kind of do have to take, like, it's rude not to, and you're trying to get their money and you kind of just want to fit in. But then, you know, that's what sends them being like, okay, time to raid the mini bar. Well, and, and to be fair, in that context, this is actually quite a good and, I mean, I don't want to say progressive, 
presentation of alcoholism and Realistic. addiction. It is it is quite sensitively handled, particularly just due to John Spencer's performance of him being fully cognizant and just sort of willing about his acknowledgement of the fact that he's an alcoholic and still being completely helpless because that's what it's right. like. That is what it's like. It has nothing to do with will intellect with will. It has absolutely right. nothing to do with any of that. And in 2001, even again in the context of like, Oh, it's boys club. Of course you're going to have that drink of scotch. Like mm-hmm. it is still powerfully presented on his part and quite sensitively dealt with. So that's, that's very good. The, yeah. the presentation of the alcoholism itself yeah. And it's what leads this to be in a good episode, too, because none of it's handled over, you know, none of it is mined for drama. It's just, you know, relatively realistically portrayed of this is what would happen. You know, he's drunk, but he's not, like, stumbling and throwing up and, like, you know, he's, like, you know, it's it's much more real than that. Well, and so... With, with that aside, we then get two phenomena that I'm very confused about at the end of the okay. episode. The moral the moral Republican oh, right. myth. Oh, God, yeah. So it, it so, winds okay. down. So, yeah, go as, ahead, go ahead. So the, as he's about to ask this question, Jordan takes a break. And during this break, her and Leo are going over the story of what happened in the, in the smoke-filled room with the booze. Meanwhile, the Republicans are conferring. And, and good little Cliff Callie, who went on a date with Donna a few episodes ago, is, uh, is saying, hey, what's going on here? What are you doing with this questioning? I, you know, I didn't have this in my notes. And, uh, and the guy's like, don't worry. I know where I'm going with this. And, uh, and he's like, no, no, no. You fucking tell me what's up. And, and so he tells him. And he's like, no, no, no. You're not going to turn this hearing into uh, some sort of inquiry about Leo McGarry's alcoholism. You are killing the party by doing petty politics and trying to get a win for Republicans instead of doing your good upstanding moral duty. And, like, I just can't. I can't even. It, it, it's... It, this like, fucking lib fantasy. That, yeah, like, absolutely. Secretly, secretly behind the closed doors, the Republicans are actually keeping each other in check and and telling each <laughs> other to be good people. Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and like, even even if this type of Republican did exist, which it does not, right? For the record, they, they wouldn't fucking listen. Like, which they don't. Which in they, this episode, he goes on to go start doing the questioning, and all they do is a procedural move to just buy Leo more time. But they don't. They can't even stop him from doing the underhanded tactic that they're telling him not to do. Yeah. So it's a very, very confused sort of moral play where, uh, oh, like, okay, good, 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 good little Republican Cliff Cali is actually fighting for what is good and noble and just, but. Damn, damn it, those bad Republicans sure did beat him, and now they're going to do the bad thing. Like, what the f- what's the point of yeah. that story? Well, and then also, like, it it's a it's not not necessarily really a deus ex machina. It's just like the, the committee chair has a change of heart at the last minute. Right. And that's it. Where he and just sort like, of okay. sees, sees the persuasiveness of Cliff's, I, I guess, arguments or whatever. And all they do is just buy extra time. And this is, like, our great win. And even Leo seems confused by it at the end. He's like, just like, I'm sorry, what? What's going on? Yeah. And so now that he has been spared for a bit for the holiday break, like, I still, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's just... It gives them time to prepare and confer, I guess, to be able to answer the questions better. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's what it does. But the thing is, what at this juncture, 
my question at watching this and the whole Leo alcoholism saga is such that what what is the risk to Leo or or for I guess the administration at large if this story comes out I don't I don't know other mm-hmm. than again a fucking polling hit which of course it is maybe they'll right. lose points on some like well, Rasmussen question spoiler somewhere. alert I do believe it will come out and you know we do get into the weeds on like kind of the Leo alcoholism scandal and nothing really comes of it <laughs> But it just, it becomes slightly tonally dissonant. We get a very sympathetic portrayal and frankly, quite good portrayal of addiction and alcoholism itself. We also, throughout his, because Leo is not one to be flippant unnecessarily, his approach to this whole process has been starkly flippant. So Mm -hmm. in my brain, he knows what's coming. Yeah, he's not taking it seriously at all until the alcohol night discussion comes up and then he starts taking it seriously. Well, I don't even know if he does that because it seems like he is resigned at the very worst emotion. It's one of resignation where he's like, I'm just like, this "Ah, this is is going to happen. Shit. And And he's like, I was, I kind of knew this might happen. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Uh, Which is what he tells Bartlett beforehand. Like, Hey, you know, if it, if it happens, it's fine. And so it just seems like that they are putting an awful lot of stock and tension into what would be okay a personal embarrassment. Like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't. I'm sorry, I saw you. It's funny. I just read in your notes. Maybe this results in like censure or something. Next episode, they literally censure the president. Okay, <laughs> Spoil- <perfect>. spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> so, like, but it, it just like he doesn't wield a a. He's recovered at this point. Right. Like he hasn't had a drop to drink in he a while. He hasn't had a drop since this, presumably this night, I Yeah, assume. since this episode. Like, so, that's the implication, certainly. And so, like, so what's what's bad if you personally, Leo, are down with this? It would just be, nah. like, DC gossip, you know, DC yeah. gossip kind of story. Like, yeah. that's all. It's not even a politics issue. And I just think it's, like... But the last question I wrote here was, do Americans even know what the chief of staff is or does? Not <laughs> like, most of them. Cares? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I imagine like six out of ten Americans couldn't name the current chief of staff. Like, I, and honestly, in the fucking Trump administration, I couldn't right. tell but you. But I mean, at, at any given time. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, like, even back, you know, Obama, Clinton, Bush, whatever. They couldn't name any of them, you know? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, most who cares about fucking internal White House positions like that for the most part? They're not very public-facing, and they don't really have this sort of, like, level of scandal associate. You know, it would have to be a big scandal. It has to be a sex scandal, essentially, because that's the only thing America actually cares about, you know? It would have to be, like, sex or murder or something. Something like that. What? Like, oh my god. Ooh, the chief of staff was a former alcoholic. Big fucking whoop. What, what's like, what's the phrase? Uh, live boy or dead girl? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be that. It would have to be that level of, like, campaign killing scandal that, like, okay, now it's like we can't even have Leo on the team because he's, like, nuclear to the, you know, radiation bad. Yeah. Like, but this isn't even close to that level. Yeah. So and, it's and he all it, kind of much ado about nothing. Really. And he treats he himself treats it with just kind of a uh, the level like a jauntiness, of care that you know? it should be treated with, yeah. which is not much essentially. Even though it looks like it's a big congressional hearing and we have lots of dramatic angles, including a nice, nice little Michael Bay 360 when he does the swearing in uh, that I oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to to kind of wrap up my thoughts about the alcoholism thing, I think it actually reinforces it because it is. 
because like you said he treats it with the seriousness that it deserves which is very little when when discuss yeah yeah when discussing it as a political issue yes very yeah. Li- like yeah okay yep i've got a problem i am right fully aware of it and, and that i doesn't matter to the running of the country one lick you know yep. yeah so I think that's about it for this one. And obviously it has nothing to do with Bartlett's MS scandal, which <laughs> yeah. is presumably what this hearing is and, all about. And I still but don't understand. I, it's like I do like that the one Republican just lays bare of like, no, the point of these hearings is to win, you idiot. You fucking toad. You dumbass. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. to, to and, cliff. and to be fair, he's right. He's right. That he's is, absol- in the real politics sense, is absolutely about winning. It is, it is winning. the 2019-est sentiment expressed in this episode. Is, it's absolutely. This is absolutely win. what we need everything to do. Is about, everything in politics is about winning and beating your opponent. That's that's the point. So, yeah, yep. he is right in that. And, of course, Cliff gets to play the naive good Republican, which just ugh, puke in my mouth. Yeah. But, uh, overall... Ugh. A mostly, like, decent and good structural episode, like, in terms of plot, you know, like, if you're watching this fresh for the first time, I think you would enjoy this episode. Yeah, this is a good, it's, it's, it's snappy without being irritatingly so, Mm -hmm. which I think is a fine line to tread for a Sorkin show. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. yeah. It's fun to see Mrs. Landingham again, because we get flashbacks. (laughs) Um, the, one of the guys presenting the shitty New Hampshire slogan is a, uh, Whedon alum who appeared in all of Buffy and Angel and Firefly. Uh, and when I say all of, I mean just in, in all three of the shows in one time as a guest star extra. Uh, <laughs> well, oh, I wrote the name down. Carlos Jack, Jacket, J-A-C-O-T-T, Jacket, Jacot, something like that. Uh-huh. It, you know him from Firefly as the guy Mal shoots in the pilot <laughs> through the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know him until you said that, and yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. I was trying to figure so, out where I knew Congressman Darren Gibson from, and I'm still oh, looking. Our, our bad Republican. Our bad Republican guy. Yeah. I'm still looking. I, I've i never watched iCarly, then, which is the only the, thing <laughs> he has credited multiple times. And then the guy who's running the things, like he kind of he had a familiar look to me, too. Where he's one of those guys who just shows so, a lot of the a lot of the secondary characters they get for this show are just people who have been on like so many things. So the reason we recognize Representative Joseph Bruno, Republican from Pennsylvania, who is mm-hmm. running the thing, is because he appeared in an earlier episode of The West Wing, uh, um, particularly when they were talking. It was Take Out the Trash Day, continuity or whatever, and he was. Um, I believe at that point he was also. Um, Emma told me this before I came in, but I've already forgotten. He was helping Leo out. So they oh. apparently have a relationship that goes back. Oh, that's probably why he helped Leo out here. Neat. Yep. That's a little bit of good continuity, continuity good, baby. Good job, show. Credit where credit's due. Yeah. Uh, let, let's take another quick break, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up for this episode and talk about next episode. Listen to my eyes. I'm so steady crushing well, shit, there's a company in my back. I'm so steady crushing well, shit, there's a company in my All right, 
and that does it for this episode of The Worst Swing. Thanks, as always, for listening. Um, we'll probably end up taking a break next week for Thanksgiving. Um, but the next time we come back will be... The episode is entitled HCon 172, uh, entitled for a bill mm. that will, dun-dun-dun, censure the president. Um, oh, the, no. The, the type of punishment that is um, just s- symbolic and has no real <laughs> repercussions whatsoever. The most West Wing the most of West possible wing of punishments. punishments. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and of course, something to be greatly feared in West Wing universe, of yeah, course. Yeah, it's the worst thing that could happen. It's the, it's the harshest thing that could possibly happen to you. <laughs> Other than maybe not being able to give a speech. so that we'll we'll have fun discussing that one um but as always thanks for listening you can pop by in the thread shoot us a little comment we'd love to see it if you found us a different way and you'd like to shoot us another comment you can email the show at the worst wing 69 at (laughs) gmail.com nice nice uh mini little election update bernie's doing great uh we just had another fucking debate it's, it was stupid, apparently. I didn't watch it. Neither Thank did God. I. <laughs> Stop watching them. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> you guys like, are only we, encouraging we, this we shit. Got pa- we got past all... The fun stuff all happened at the beginning, back when it was full clown car, when we had the fucking 20-person debates. Like, that was when we had the most fun. That's when we had Orb Empress, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we had uh, such good times. But, uh, but overall, Bernie's doing really good. Things are looking good. Polling's looking good. He's quote unquote surging, aka revealing the re- re- real support that was there the whole time. And uh, I, I'm I'm thinking we're gonna fucking win. We're gonna fucking win, baby. And also, <laughs> um, Deval Patrick. I know you don't listen to our show. Drop out. Yeah, just fucking oh, yeah. drop out, Bloom- motherfucker. Bloomberg apparently declared too. Bloomberg, so he, he drop the fuck, fuck out. Right off too. Yeah. All of all of y'all rich fucking vampire capitalists. I love these idiots who aren't going to pull better than like two, three <laughs> percent, and they're just wasting money in a very Jeb esque manner. There was uh, a there's you love, a, to, you love to see it. There's a piece today by uh, Osita Nwanevu, and he was writing, "Why wouldn't Bloomberg run for president?" And his argument, I think, was like, "Why not? All these idiots with too much money want some vanity project." I think so, they all just want to be able to say former presidential candidate under absolutely. their little Chiron on <laughs> when they appear on cable news. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what they're doing it for. Yeah, but uh, fine. Burn all your stupid billionaire money on vanity. At least it will filter back through the economy. I was going to say, it'll pay of, people who are Through the form of TV ad grift yeah. and, and whatnot. <laughs> um, it'll, it'll trickle down eventually. <laughs> oh, man. So thank you, as always, for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. I'll send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along.